When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hello and welcome. It's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, your dear host Chappie here. And we have a slightly uh, different edition of the podcast today. As you know, we like to indulge in all things British on this podcast. But we're dispensing with some of the nonsense and buffoonery today to bring you a real indulgence of Britishness in the form of Endeavour Morse. It's the last episode of Endeavour tonight on ITV, Exuant, and it's a sad day because this is the end of the beginning. This is the end of the series that began in 2012 under the scribe of R- Russell Lewis and has developed through 1965 when the prequel began to 1972 where it's about to end. Setting stage... From Sean Evans to move to John Thor, who took over the reins of Inspector Morse televisually in 1987. One of the wonderful things about the canon of Inspector Morse that began in 1987, became Lewis in 2006, and then eventually Endeavour in 2012, are the connections across. The, 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 it's the sharpest, it's the smartest, it's the most intelligent of TV shows. The subtle connections, the nod and winks to storylines gone by and characters gone by has been absolutely tremendous. So Inspector Morse was created by Colin Dexter, the Oxford writer, back in 1975 in literary form. And then in 1987, under the stewardship of John Thor, became a televisual masterpiece uh, giving up in 2000 with the death of the character and the sad death of John Thor in 2002 to the form of Inspector Lewis Robbie Lewis played by Kevin Waitley who played the faithful sidekick of Morse during the original TV series and it was Lewis and Hathaway until 2006 that the scribe Russell Lewis pen to paper and gave us a snapshot a thumbnail sketch of the young endeavor as he worked through his travails and earned his badge as sergeant from the days of 1965 up to 1972 has been a part of my childhood up to the age now of 46 nearly and it's been a constant part of my upbringing Canon of Morse has left a huge imprint throughout my life. As a teenager, when some people were watching Top of the Pops or listening to Guns N' Roses, I was listening to opera, I was listening to Puccini, I was listening to Turandot. I was listening to Madame Butterfly. 
I was listening to the works of Richard Wagner. So Morse had a huge bearing on my life and uh, it's going to be a sad sort of end today. As I said, it's the end of the beginning. But is it the end of the canon? We'll be talking about that later on the podcast as well. Is there going to be a new inception? Is there going to be a new type of prequel maybe with Morse's great mentor? We're not talking about Thread Thursday here. We're talking about Desmond McNutt. But that's something for us to explore later on. Today on the podcast, we're going to be exploring the eccentricities of Morse across the canon, across John Thor's interpretation of Morse through to Endeavor. Let's look at the fun facts. Let's look at the bit characters. It's not just Morse. It's not just Robbie Lewis. It's not just Thread Thursday. It's not just Hathaway. There were huge elements to the series. It was the bit parts. It was the Masters. It was the Oxford Dons. It was the College Porters. It was Morse's women. All of these areas provided a vibrant universe to the works that we know now as Inspector Morse from the year 1987 up until 2023. The podcast will explore these details, but interspersed will be marvellous works of classical music. From Richard Wagner, to Puccini, to Debussy, to Mendelssohn, Tchaikovsky. Classical music is a soundtrack to a marvellous series. It takes you back to Masonic mysteries where... Morse is battling his arch-enemy, De Vries, as Sherlock Holmes battled Moriarty across the Reichenbach Falls. And Morse is in prison for murder, or suspected murder. And he asked Lewis to bring him the libretto of a magic flute. And imagine how he gained solace from reading libretto and undercoving De Vries's ingenious plan whilst taking comfort in the music of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Is it the end of Endeavour? Perhaps. But we've not heard the last of Inspector Morse. At the last instalments of the Inspector Morse prequel air, it's writer Russell Lewis and cast examine what we can expect from the finale. I'm going to be taking snippets. I've done quite a lot of research on this episode across the last few weeks and across the last few years and decades of brilliant pieces written about Inspector Morse. But there aren't many ITV crime procedurals with three-act operatic structures, allusions to Philip Larkin, Harold Pinter and Mozart forming part of the incidental music. But the Inspector Morse prequel endeavor has always been a cut above the competition. The Oxford setting helps but the personality of the classic music-loving classicist created by Colin Dexter, the detective with a fondness for crosswords, scotch and foamy ale in country pubs, has enjoyed a particularly entertaining lease of life over the past 11 years. And today, the final episode, will see Sean Heavens' hero finally bowing out in an episode with the unashamedly donish title, Exuant. 
It'll bring the Endeavour tally to 36 films, a little more than the Inspector Moore's 33 films, between 1987 and 2000, and the Kevin Watley sequel Lewis, 33 films, between 2006 and 2015, meaning there will be 102 films in the entire Morse canon. It's quite an achievement. Russell Lewis has written every episode of Endeavour. The grandfather and father did 33 apiece, and Russell said, I didn't want Colin to be out on 99, he says with a laugh. I had to get him to a century, and a little bit more, which is not a bad knock. The language of cricket seems an appropriate civilised way to describe the achievement of the series that has stayed true to Dexter's vision, but played perfectly and boldly with the character in the detective genre. One episode in 2018 had Morse visit recreated Crossroads Motel, and have also enjoyed an episode where a tiger was a murder weapon, a ghost story set in a girl's boarding school, and a series set in Venice that was structured like an opera. Eagle-eyed viewers have noticed Rhodes scholar Bill Clinton entering one story, as well as a Kate Bush lyric. Lewis's fondness for cultural, social and literary allusions and musical motifs are not what viewers of the nation's premier commercial channel ordinarily expect. Lewis once peppered an episode with a reference to a Philip Larkin grimly idyllic poem, 1962's poem of Sonny Preston, about a poster of a young woman advertising the resort that became festooned with crude graffiti until it disappeared. The poster popped up in various endeavour shots until it was a Larkin's poem replaced with one saying, Fight Cancer. Larkin is a particular favourite, it seems. The poet is referenced from the off when Endeavour is shown in his digs and the landlady tells him, this was Mrs. Blini's room. He stayed the whole time he was at the Bodleian. A near quote from Larkin's Mr. Blini. Two other guests, Mr. Goldberg and Mr. McCann, shared the names with two uh, sinister uh, strangers from Harold Pinter's play the birthday party. These inclusions aren't examples of rightly showing off. They carefully set the tone of a series that is alive to and deeply fond of the nation's culture. Lewis continues, when we started Endeavour, it was 1965, and we still had one foot in the 1950s. And if you've got one foot in the 1950s, got a foot in the 1940s, the L-shaped room in the boarding house reference to the birthday party was kind of our early English desperate vernacular. That was our backdrop. Grimly digs aside, Endeavour Morse with his smart suits and even smarter brain was the coming man of the 1960s. Although one senses that Beatlemania passed him by, he's more of a Brahms and Beethoven man. His boss, a fabulously straight-up Fred Thursday, played by Roger Allen, has been a lovely emblem of old-fashioned decency. Thursday thought the war, like many other of that generation, detests violence and wants to secure life for his family and community. And he comes to replate with an array of delicious phrases like, I'll have your cobblers for a key fob. There's more under my hat than your knits. Look after your shoes. Your shoes will look after you. And his personal favourite, mind how you go. The Oxford scenery hasn't changed much since the Middle Ages and the way of social changes pumped through the series that was always one of the main attractions for the executive producer Damien Timmer, who, like all the principal actors, have been with Endeavour from the off. The Endeavour world has always been in flux. It never feels like it's caught in aspic. It's always kind of got forward momentum, but there's always something else around the corner that's going to shape our characters. 
And while we have known that Endeavor is going to survive and become John Thor, and that DS Strange will become Endeavor's boss, played by James Groughton in Spectre Morse, there are an array of characters to play with and enough jeopardy before the final three episodes. A principal question of fans surrounds Thursday's daughter Joan and Morse's secret love for her. John Thor's Morse never had much luck with the ladies, but this series has been able to explore why that is, and the finale revolves around their story beautifully. Burial is a motif for this final run of three episodes with a plotline that takes us back to Blenheim Vale. Bodies of abused pupils were literally buried amid a police and establishment cover-up that still needs solving. As well as echoing real stories in the British history, it tallies with Morse's own interment of his romantic longing. I think this has been a really interesting way to think about it, says uh, Sean Evans. I think that all these problems grow from burying that and not being able to talk about it. Disinterring those feelings, I think the more the source of his discord with women, more generally. The show has been a clear and sure vision is achieved principally because Lewis has created every episode, large-scale, long-running shows like this unusually share the writing load. But this is a singular flavour and momentum, so much so that Lewis had already envisaged a key scene from the final episode in his head before the first ones were even filmed. When you see it, you'll understand why. For us, it's really wonderful because a lot of TV, you're flying by the seat of your pants and you're making up as you go along. Endeavour has always been a kind of clarity of that purpose. There has been an extra lease of life to Dexter's characters, but so many episodes also celebrate the TV of the era. Fans will recognise the Tony Hancock reference in the briefly glimpsed advertisement for Grimsby, Pilchards, or the tribute to a certain kind of TV in an episode centred around 1960s music show. There's Crossroads too, and one of the forthcoming episodes relates to the plot of a fictional 1970s TV detective drama, making the sight of Thursday watching a character who seems to be modelled on him a joy. When one of the episodes he watching ends, he says nothing except the trademark, Kettle on, win! One of the things I'll miss is just as we're getting into the early 1970s, there's so many things that I've loved to have done. But you you just know you've just ran out of road, Lewis says with a sigh. The show seems to have an end because the Endeavour Jones saga has reached a conclusion and the cast aren't getting any younger. There comes a certain point, doesn't there, Lewis says. Rod certainly has envisaged staying with us for 10 years or more and Sean started out when he was relatively young. And you've only got one life, don't you? So there's many other things he wants to do. The final episodes are near perfect and all of the plot strands are perfectly tied up and they're near emotional to shoot too. Outdoor scene which appears at the end had the crowds that usually gather for Endeavour filming days bustling into applause. The moment moved Evans and the closing scenes were found Alan getting emotional which surprised everybody. Oh I cry easily says Alan. I'm like a duck. It all looks calm on the surface. It was very moving throughout the way because we knew there would be a time when we were never getting to do anything in that set again and the set was broken up. I'd never do anything with Caroline O'Neill again or Anton Lesser or any of the other regulars. Evan who, Evans, who started the series more than anybody on screen, is surprised at how the sanguine he now feels. I thought there would be sadness, but there's not. I don't know. I can't explain it. It actually feels really good because it's completed and it's brought to a close. It's a different thing to have having it closed for you 
and that's very pleasing. I just feel like the story's been told. Everything has come to an end. It's time, and one of the great things is that we've managed to maintain the cast. It's the same core cast, really. We're all there at the end. That can't go on forever. And equally, you've always have to have a beginning, middle, and an end. Evans, who was given one of Morse's suits, though sadly not the Jag, is off to make an ITV four-part, or Alan, who also has allowed a suit in one of the characters' fancy hats, is doing a play with Ian McKellen. And Lewis, for some of the show, has been his entire life for the past 11 and a bit years, is going to take a long, well-deserved break, but maybe a little bit of grace. I've really not into that headspace at the moment. It's going to be very weird. Summer rolling around and not going up to Oxford. There's going to be that change. But otherwise, it's seven days a week, 52 weeks a year when you're making it, planning and making it. And that's been the case for more than a decade. So I've just got to take some time off, really. Time off for good behavior now, I think. What I love about Morse Endeavour, the whole Morse canon, are the complex mysteries, mysterious, cerebral, the idyllic scenery, the thumbnail sketch of summer's gone by. There's a rich tapestry of beauty, ugliness, and intricate mysteries, egos, and very flawed characters. So whilst I was listening to opera and wearing corduroy trousers where everybody else was wearing ripped jeans and listening to the pop music of the time, Inspector Morse went from the boring old fart to Britain's favourite TV detective. It was all Miss Marple's fault when in 1984, Ted Charles, head of drama at Central Television, heard that the BBC was working on a new Joan Hickson-fronted series based on the Agatha Christie novels. He was determined to find a rival adaptation, something a bit posh to pitch to ITV. A colleague suggested Inspector Morse, a melancholy Oxford detective who has already appeared in six novels by Colin Dexter and would go on to feature in A Further Seven. Charles, who was confident that he could bring and convince John Thor to play Morse, having produced the actor's 1970s police show, The Sweeney, passed on the idea to Central's head of television, Andy Allen, and uh, slipped a tatty Inspector Morse novel into his hand. Allen was not impressed. He said, So you've got this boring old fart who can't relate to women, gets pissed all the time, and has got to be shot very expensively in Oxford. Have I left anything out? Charles, now 88, said that he wanted an episode to last a feature length, almost like a film, two hours, unheard of on TV. Despite his reservations, Alan pitched to ITV and Charles, recalls, came back from the smoke-filled room. I persuaded them to take three episodes. It was a total F-up. I'm going to blame you. Alan didn't have to worry. Inspector Morse debuted in 1987, ran through 33 episodes until 2000 and the character's death. It drew 18 million viewers at its peak and had been broadcast to 200 countries. A spin-off series, Lois, centered on Morse's eponymous long-suffering sidekick played by Kevin Waitley, now with his own sidekick, James Hathaway, played by Lawrence Fox, also ran the 33 episodes 2006 to 2015. And then the prequel with Sean Evans ran until today. The golden run ends today. After more than a hundred combined Inspector Morse Lewis Endeavour episodes, the dots and dashes will fall silent. Evans is philosophical about the curtain falling on one of the uh, most successful British TV franchises. Endings are part of life. He's also directed four episodes of Endeavour, and he was asked to pinpoint why Morse's world has struck a chord with viewers. I think Oxford has a lot to do with it. 
Wherever you point the camera, it looks marvellous. The series backdrop is picture perfect. The characters are anything but. Morse's perennial unlucky in love struggles with alcohol and is constantly grouchy, mainly in the direction of Lewis. He left the Oxford University before he completed his degree, making him both an insider and outsider among the city's dreaming spires. A social failure to some extent. Morse is a deeply flawed character. They gave Lewis a few more flaws when I took over. And with his passion for opera and pubs, his dry sense of humour, his quiet intellect and his moral exactitude, Morse is also attractively complex figure. Academics have compared him to the Greek hero Odysseus. Battling against obstacles to return home after war, John Thor's daughter Abigail, who prays the Oxford Mail's editor, Dorothea Frazel, in Endeavour, said Morse is full of wistfulness and what it could have been. Russell Lewis suggests the character's downbeat nature speaks to his melancholy. It's all about love, it seems to me. Love unfulfilled, love unrequited, the sadness that shines out of the character. It's John Thor who set down much of this blueprint on screen. Abigail explains that initially her father, who died in 2002, felt very unsure about Morse. Becoming on paper, there wasn't much of character. He gradually moulded Morse around parts of himself. Wakely says his abiding memory of the decades of the programme remains the baptism of fire on the first day of the set. John Thor could change from one take to the next and go off in a different gear. Exhilarating. You could feel the whole set go whoosh. It's easy to forget now how Morse a role that could easily go on to win two BAFTAs. Thor had already been cast firmly against a type and Sweeney played Jack Regan in Northern Hardman. Morse is unique against literary and televisual works. It constantly subverts its surface coziness. Oxford spires and Morse's beautiful jag mark to lull you in. But Waitley points out academics can be a weird bunch. And the story shows how much about town and gown storylines have included. Cover-ups of abuse in boys' homes. Crystal meth smuggling. Listen closely and the city's bells have a decidingly discordant ring. A personal favourite of Morse. Cherubim and Seraphim, a story centres on the warehouse rave scene and a tragedy struck there. There's nothing remotely cosy about that. Morse's cultural tropes is love of Wagner, the Methodist hymnal, classical cars, poetry, always to salve a gritty narrative between the driving force behind it. There is a relief as well. Over in the US, Crockett and Tubbs are high-fiving each other in Miami Vice. Morse, meanwhile, was staring at a pint of real ale and telling Lewis, that he has something serious thinking to do. I know which one I would prefer. For Endeavour, Evans had to create a younger version of the character with the gravitas to carry a primetime show. His Morse is idealistic, questioning, fragile. But despite playing the character for 11 years, Evans still hasn't watched a singular episode of the original TV series. He found himself inadvertently doing an impression of John Thor. Instead, he relied on Dexter's books for inspiration. Russell Lewis care to forge the explicit links between the worlds of Endeavour and Inspector Morse. Thor would walk with a slight limp when he was tired, so in the first series of Endeavour the script had a young Morse shot in the leg giving him the limp in its own origin story. Likewise with Morse's first visits to Oxford offices, Frazzle asks if they'd met before. He demurs another life then. She replies, a touching meta-reference to the fact she's acting opposite the character immortalised by her father. 
and then things get decidingly mind-bending in later episodes of Endeavour when Brace Yourself, Abigail's real daughter, Molly, plays a young version of her grandmother, early feminist campaigner Sally Alexander, who Thor's first wife, Endeavour, is packed with such Easter eggs. For Roger Allen, the richness of the characters, the key to Morse's enduring appeal is D.I. Thursday, goes for mit through family upheavals as brushes with the underworld and at one point even coughs up a bullet. Russell and I love the westerns and as an English actor of my age who can't ride a horse it's very unlikely I'll ever get to do a western. So what can I say coughing up the bullet was my Clint Eastwood moment. Anton Lesser though who plays the exacting chief superintendent Brighton Endeavour the historical accuracy is paramount from the money's pop culture references to a faithful depiction of how the police force was structured in the 1960s. It's lovely because you feel safe that the writer knows what he's talking about. Despite their shared DNA, there are nevertheless fundamental differences between Inspector Morse and Endeavour. Each episode of Morse is a self-contained story, so they could be watched in any order. Endeavour, meanwhile, has narrative threads that run for each story. It's more, more ad breaks. Each 120-minute instalment of Inspector Morse contained 102 minutes of drama. Each episode of Endeavour, taking up an identical two hours of airtime, contains just 89 minutes of drama. I look back a lot at the original series, says Russell Lewis. Some of my favourite episodes, the pacing is almost glacial. You spend the best part of a minute watching a car come up a drive. A lot of Morse's charm was in its pace. It had to be slow. Three and a half decades after Inspector Morse first appeared on our screens, it's curious to note how few predicted that the character would endure. Waitley only signed up for one series of Lewis initially. Even Endeavour was intended as a one-off special to mark the 25th anniversary of Inspector Morse. Alan admits that when Endeavour did get it commissioned as a series, he was very resistant to sign up for more than three years. But the public lapped it up, and Morse's place in history as a somewhat accidental TV franchise hero is secure. Throughout the years, an astonishing list of cast and crew have passed between Morse's universe, on their way to greater fame. Danny Boyle, John Madden, Anthony Mingella, the trio of Oscar-winning directors behind Slumdog Millionaire, Shakespeare in Love and English Patient, respectively, all cut their teeth on Morse. Madden directed four episodes, Boyle two, his fantastic 1992 rave featuring installment Cherubim and Seraphim, preceded Trainspotting by four years. Madden was behind Dead on Time, a memorable episode in which Morse discovers that a dead man's widow is his former fiancée. Thor's face captured in a close-up when his ex-lover says that dumping him wasn't an easy decision is a masterclass in surprised and suppressed emotion. His two-word thank you contain the word to contain the world. Mingella, meanwhile, wrote the first ever episode, Dead of Jericho. And then there are actors John Gielgud, Rachel Weisz, Andrew Taylor-Joy, Jesse Buckley and Jim Broadbent have all appeared. Evans himself looks for greater things. He has always been linked to the vacant big screen role of a certain Agent 007. Although having experienced directing in Dev, he tells he might be a little bit more interested in sitting behind the camera in a Bond film. So, is this really the end of Endeavour Morse? Everybody confirms it is, although it doesn't stop people joking about potential spin-offs. Morse on ice. And also Hathaway the musical, potentially, says Kevin Wakeley. Get a little bit nerdy now and look at some of the fun trivia questions and fun facts of Inspector Morse. 
So let's kick off here. The first Morse episode, The Dead of Jericho. Our eponymous heroes visiting the house of Anne Stavely, the person who eventually ends up as the first murder victim. What was the reason for her or for him visiting her? And the answer was a choral performance. Morse and Anne were both members of the same choir. He went to take, uh, take her to the performance. When she doesn't answer the door, he goes without her, only to return later when she's found hanging in the kitchen. Who played Inspector Morse? John Thor. Manchester-born John Thor played many roles during his TV career. After Morse, he went on to another series, Kavanagh QC. He sadly died in 2002. What about Morse's first name? Endeavour. His parents were Quakers, and Endeavour was considered a suitable name for Quakers. Additionally, his father was obsessed with Captain Cook. Who wrote the original music for Morse? Barrington Thelong. Barrington Thelong, born in Sydney, Australia in 1954, based the theme music around the Morse code for Morse. He also incorporated other characters' names in the music. Sometimes it was the name of the murderer, sometimes it was an innocent person. He was numerous film and TV scores to his credit and was also a respected conductor, having led the Royal Philharmonic and Sadler Wells Royal Ballet Orchestras. Born in Australia, his surname is Huguenot in origin. In the last few episodes, Morse seriously fell in love with Adele Cecil, who played the love interest, Judy Lowe. What was the name of Morse's superintendent? Strange, he's played by the rotund James Grout in the original series. And there's also a younger edition of uh, Strange in the Endeavour episodes. How many episodes of the TV were made? 33, all time for two hour long episodes. They spanned a number of years and comparisons between the technology in the early episodes and the later ones are fascinating. What was the name of the author of the Morse books? Colin Dexter. He was born Norman Colin Dexter in Stamford, Lincolnshire. After graduating in Cambridge in 1953, he began a career teaching in both Leicestershire and Northamptonshire. Before, uh, because of the onset of deafness, he left teaching and in 1966 took up a post as the Senior Assistant Secretary of the University of Oxford, Oxford Delegacy of Local Examinations. He held the post until he retired in 1988. Which character, more than usual, seen in light roles in his career, was played by the repulsive Clixby Breen, Richard Briers? Best known for the role of Tom Good in The Good Life, he replayed the reptilian master of Lonsdale College in the Death is Now My Neighbour episode. Mark McGann is also a famous member of actors. Tom O'Connor is a Liverpudlian-born comedian, while Tom Baker most famously played many incarnations of Doctor Who. What was Morse's nickname while at university? Pagan. He was known as Pagan due to his distaste for all things religious. Sergeant Lewis also had much amusement when he learnt that nickname. Chief Inspector Morse had several passions in life, including one for correct uses of the English language. His passions mirror those of his creator, expressed with love of Wagnerian opera and crosswords. Dexter, in fact, named his two characters after fellow compilers, Sir Jeremy Morse and Mrs. B. Lewis. There were other similarities as well, such as the fact that they both studied the classics and both suffered from diabetes. Morse hated sport, but somehow had many editions of wisdom on his bookshelves seen in the original series. Chris Sullivan has a brilliant website that really does reflect the whole canon of Inspector Morse, Lewis and Endeavour. And one of the questions he has, he, like real ale and music, women play a big part in the life of Morse, though not as much as he would like. Hypothetically, who would make the better wife for Morse? 
some interesting reflections to this question. Uh, one of them, though, uh, Tim Bradbury and the response here gave a lot of thought to Angela Morinder's Ruth Rawlinson in service to all the dead as a wife material for Morse. Endeavour shows his compassionate side and even commits perjury on her behalf. We've never seen the outcome to the final embrace, though probably not sharing all of his interests. He clearly has an interest in her and she for him. How long would his interest last as moot? It appears to be a physical attraction and somewhat needy on both sides. Also a strong consideration for Amanda Hillwood and Dr. Grayling. Both two professionals in the same field would never have enough time to commit, so she's out. She would also be ideal, but how often does that work out? The final choice for a life partner for Morse's Zoe Wanamaker's character. Their careers would, wouldn't crash head on. She has an academic background and shares enough quirkiness to match Morse's fights and uh, also appreciation of all things classical. The final conclusion is from Chris Sullivan, though. Susan Fallon was his true love, and Joan was a lovely distraction in the Endeavour series. Susan is the reason that Morse cannot commit fully to other women in his life, and then that includes Joan. So Susan Bryce Morgan, to whom Morse was engaged, but she broke the engagement to marry Henry Fallon, although... Still true to say that the older Morse was still in love with her when they met again in Dead on Time. Going back to the Morse fun facts and trivia, Morse had an assistant, Detective Sergeant Lewis. Most of the time, Morse only used Lewis's surnames. There are a couple of occasions when he calls him by the familiar version of his name, Robbie. The Detective Sergeant Robert Lewis, as we've seen in the TV screen, is a slightly different character to the original one in the books. Dexter originally wrote him as a 60-year-old Welshman and grandfather, not as a young Geordie we came to know. Which actor also played the Doctor in TV's Doctor Who? Patrick Troughton. The very first episode of Inspector Morse was entitled The Dead of Jericho and saw Morse's love interest Anne Stavely. Which illness did Morse suffer from diabetes? His drinking only exacerbated the diabetes. He began to adjust his blood sugar readings for the hospital in order to conceal the truth. In an episode of Morse called Deceived by Flight, Lewis goes undercover to solve a murder. What position did he take up? He took up the position of college porter. The episode revolves around the death of a member of the Clarets cricket team, and Lewis goes undercover as a college porter so he can help replace a dead man on the team. In the story, Lewis himself is injured by being hit over the back of the head by a cricket bat. It turned out that it wasn't the only murder that was involved. One of the team was a drug smuggler, used the teams and oversaw tours as a cover-up for his illegal activity. Wakeley says this is his favourite episode. Which actor once played a Dutch detective on TV played the master of Beaumont College in the episode entitled The Last Enemy? Barry Foster. He also played the Dutch detective Van der Valk in the quirky TV series of the same name. Which author created the character of Inspector Morse? Because it's Colin Dexter again. Dexter makes only uh, walk-on appearances in almost every episode, though he never speaks. Throughout almost the entire run of Morse, we never hear anybody call him anything other than Morse or Sir. In one episode, uh, he's asked what his first name is and to the Inspector in episode 31, Death is now my neighbour. And he gives away Endeavour. He learns that Morse's mother was a Quaker and they have a tradition for using names associated with the virtues and that his father was an admirer of Captain James Cook. Because of this, his name after the Cook ship, HMS Bark Endeavour. 
Whilst at university, Morse also would not reveal his Christian name, his fellow stu students called him Pagan. You also heard that in the episode of Deceived by Flight. Lebrugge's actor, played by Matthew Copley Barnes, the master of Beaufort College. It was the episode The Infernal Serpent, played by Jeffrey Palmer. Morse's favourite drink is beer. Morse says he thinks better over a pint. There is often a cause of friction with colleagues and superiors, particularly those who never seem to have the cash around to buy him the next pint. Though Morse is set in around Oxford, not all the filming takes place there. In common, many TV shows have a variety of locations. Three places were used to shoot scenes that took place in and around the police station. These were Ashford and Kent. Southall was used in series one and two, Harrow in three and five, Harefield in uh, series six and seven. The scenes that included Morse's house were shot in Ealing, London, not too far from the main recording studio in Bray in Berkshire. Which police force does Morse work for? Well, it's originally Cowley in Endeavour, but it becomes Thames Valley. Based in Oxford, he actually works for Thames Valley. Once or twice, he's seen following up leads in London. The final episode of Morse was aired on November the 15th, 2000, the original Inspector Morse, called The Remorseful Day. It is in this episode that we say the final goodbyes to Morse. He's been away on sick leave. He died of a heart attack. In The Remorseful Day, Morse returned to work after a period of illness. This was seen in the previous episode, The Wench is Dead, which sees him in hospital. Morse never looked after his health. It was alluded to several times during the run of the shows. The last episode saw Lewis awaiting promotion to inspector, leading an investigation into a year-old death. Morse, in his own typical way, takes over. During the investigation, Morse suffers a heart attack. The final poignant scene shows Lewis visiting the body of his friend and mentor, kissing him on the forehead. The last words heard by Lewis are saying goodbye, sir. On a lighter note, what kind of car does Morse drive? Jaguar, vintage red, Jaguar Mark II, registration 248 RPA. It was damaged at least three episodes. It was bought by the series for £1,000 and sold at an auction after the final episode for £20,000. The Endeavour finale has been on Russell Lewis's mind since he started writing the first series. From series one, it was a pipe dream that went the distance. This was a possible end for it. And part of this has definitely kind of survived. Lewis stayed true to the original series to keep the original Morse fans on board. For instance, he kept Morse's Jaguar rather than giving him a Lancia that he had in the novels. Though he lamented the modern audience would want pacier crime dramas, unlike the original Morse series that would spend a full minute watching cars go up driveways. A former child actor, Lewis started writing sketches and plays when he was in school. He is no stranger to detective dramas having adapted Agatha Christie's books for the uh, versions of Miss Marple and also the Peter James Grace series. Despite being a snob whose idea of fun was drinking whiskey or real ale while listening to Wagner and doing cryptic crosswords, Morse was loved by people of all ages and classes. There are some Morse and Lewis, like his hero, the Times cryptic crossword after lunch every day and is known to listen to opera while he writes scripts, although he insisted his musical tastes are fairly wide-ranging. In a nod to Thor, who died aged 60 in 2002, Lewis called the newspaper editor character, played by Thor's daughter Abigail Dorothea Frazel. Fans of cryptic crosswords will appreciate the homage. Frazel is the American word for ice, meaning that the boss for the Oxford male could be seen as de-ice, or Thor. This episode likely to be the last one we'll see Morse appear 
not because also Dexter's will stipulated that nobody after John Thor should take on the row. The author made an exception for Evans 43 after Lewis's intervention. Sean will be the last person to play Morse, Dexter said in 2014. That was made clear from the word go. Lewis left the door open for another return. Never say never, but I'm done. It's been an absolute privilege that I can put it back in the glass case. I'm broken. Could there be, whisper it, another return to the Morse universe sometime in the future? Son or daughter of Morse? A Thursday prequel if the money was right. But uh, Alan says it would have to be somewhere rather lovely. But Timmer may have half an eye on producing something else, since that it won't be the end of the Morse trail. The world that Colin Dexter created has been such a big thing for ITV over the years. I'm sure there'll be more. I can't believe that there won't be another edition in the Morse canon. But the main man is definitely saying goodbye for good. I feel like my work on the Endeavour universe is done, Evan says. For our iteration of the story, there's no Endeavour without Thursday and the Thursday family and all those guys. I don't feel like there's anything else to say about it or to offer. It's a team thing. It sure is. Mind how you go. I'll be back again with another edition of the traditional nonsensical ridiculous podcast that is Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Endeavour is tonight on ITV at 8pm. Exuant, the last episode of the Endeavour series. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's been marvellous having you here and sharing my passion of the Inspector Morse universe. Until next time, cheerio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.